This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. It's going to be a good day. I'm going to feed your faith and starve your doubts. So if you don't have a Bible, you probably want to get one. Just raise your hand. Our ushers would gladly get you one. Keep it up real high. We're, we're still on our series on dominion. I believe really, really, really strongly today the Word of God is going to give you some to weapons to walk in that dominion God gave you. And, you know, his, his heart will touch your heart, I believe, through the scriptures. So you're going to go to the book of 1 John, way back there in the back, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John 4, 4 says, um, Ye are God, little children. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Now, I don't want to be tied to the world, and neither you do you. And so what we're going to do here, we're going to go and look at the three attitudes of what makes up the world. Ephesians 2.2 says that at one time, we all walked to the course of this world. So again, we're going to define those things and help you. So we begin in 1 John 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what we have to do immediately is we have to define what the world is. And it's literally the evil that's operating where we live right now under the dominion of Satan. Now, if I'm going to live by the the things of the world, I'm going to live under the dominion of Satan. So if I'm living under the dominion of Satan, I'm not going to live under the dominion of God. And so it's going to ultimately cause problems to us. So again, he says, don't love the world or the things of the world. Now, the author here is John. The same John that wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote the Epistles of John. And he wrote the book of Revelations. What I can find in those three titles, the the Gospels, the Epistles, and Revelations is approximately 105 times he mentions the word world. And so that's one of the reasons we're going to highlight this here is things uh, that pertain to this world. Some translation says this, that it's the pattern of this age. It's a godless system. There's a mind behind the system. And many times when John would reference him in the gospel, he would refer to the ruler of this world, which is the devil. Now, I want you to hold your, foot, uh, your finger right there in 1 John 2. Turn to 1 John chapter 5, just a couple pages over. 1 John chapter 5, and I want you to see another passage pertaining to the world. Verse 19. We know that we are of God, and the whole world, not part of it, but the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So when you look at this, and he's talking about lies under the sway of the wicked one, it's literally talking about Satan. He exercises dominion over this world as its ruler. Another passage that may help you on that is 2 Corinthians 4.4. It talks about this also. So again, I'm just giving you some biblical illustrations of where we're at with the world. Back to, to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John 2, and then we pick back up here at verse 16. Now, what's getting ready to happen is it's going to define the three characteristics or the three attitudes of the world. 
For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the cravings for physical pleasure or also sensual gratification, the lust of the eyes, the craving for what I see, and the pride of life, which is based on my achievements, my status, my possessions. Better stated when we talk about the pride of life is position, influence, fame, and money. Now, this is the three characteristics or the three attitudes that make up the world. The, the lust of, of my flesh, the lust of my eyes, or the pride of life. None of us are exempt from these, and so I'm going to ask you something right now. Do any of those, they reveal your heart right now. Now, what's interesting about these three characteristics, they've been around for a long, long time. If we were to go back into the book of Genesis chapter 3 in the beginning with a guy named Adam, these, three, these same three characteristics were back then. There was a fruit that was desirable to his eyes. Ultimately, that he would be crave it, but it said that it would make him wise. Wise in his own eyes. Also, if we were the book of, uh, to look at the book of Luke chapter 4, when the Lord Jesus was, was sent to be tempted by the devil, these three attitudes were alive with him right there. So they're no different for, for me and you than they were back there. And so again, he gives us warning. Now look how he ends this. These three is not of the Father, but is of the devil or is of this world. Now I want you to get that. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, it's not of the Father. So if I'm dominated by these, understand I'm, I'm coming under the things that, that the devil has brought upon this face of the earth. And I believe this personally, it's to isolate you from walking in the things of God. Now, when I, I look at these again, it's not of God, it's of the world. So do my values, do they lean more toward God or do they lean more to the world? Verse 17. And the world or this world is passing away. And the lust of it, or the things of it, is passing away. There's going to come a day when this thing's going to end. And he goes on to say, now watch this. But he who does the will of God abides forever. He who does what pleases God, he who carries out his purpose, and where it says abides forever, one translation says he's set for eternity. I want you to hold fast to what he says there. He who does the will of God. It did not say he who confesses Jesus the Lord. It said he who actually does the will of my father. So again, it takes us to a whole other dimension as being a born again Christian. And we got over a little bit last week that it's more than just my talk. It becomes about my walk. That if I really am a believer, uh, Matthew 7 verse 20 says, they'll know you by your fruit. They'll know you by your lifestyle. So we go a little further. Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Now I'm going to tell you, it's going to get really good here this morning. We're building a little foundation here to help us understand that none of us are exempt from the things of the world. But God's got a plan. He's got a plan for every one of us. So we look at Romans chapter 6. Begin with me in verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon or consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. Question for you. 
Is that even possible? I believe it is. And how does that take place? But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the only way I'm going to be dead to sin is to be alive in Christ Jesus. The way I become alive in Christ, i got to give my heart to Jesus. i got to get born again. But I want to highlight this this morning. When you get born again, that's the starting point, okay? That's not the ending point. That's the starting point. Verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in all its lusts. Don't let sin rule as, as your king. The message says, don't give sin a vote. The Amplified says to make you yield to their cravings and be subject to their lust and their evil passages. So when I see this right here, what he's telling us here is sin has a destructive defects on our lives. Sin is destructive. I don't care who you are, sin is destructive. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. Keep reading, verse 13. And do not present your members as instruments or weapons of unrighteousness. Now that must be possible to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your instruments or your, uh, your members as weapons of righteousness to God. Now watch what he says here in verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not exert dominion over you. The New Living says that sin shall not be your Lord. The message says sin can't tell you how to live. Now this is where we're so much alike as human beings. This is us to a T. We make resolutions and we make resolutions and we make resolutions and we say, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do that again. And then we do it again. And then we make more promises to God. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do that again. And then I do it again. Can you identify with that? I can identify. And so sometimes we look at the word of God here and it says sin shall not have dominion over you. And so we look at that and we say, well, Father God, your word said sin won't have dominion over me. Why is sin having dominion over me then? Well, the problem's not in the word of God. The problem's with me. Now watch this. This is going to put a great truth in every one of us in here, okay? Watch the end of verse 14. For you are not under the law, but you are under grace. The only way I die to sin is through the resources that God's grace provides. Now what is grace? Grace is a gift. It's an empowerment. Actually, one of the best definitions of grace, it is God coming on the inside of me and enabling me to do what I can't do myself. And you should have shouted on that. So think about this. In the book of Ephesians, it says, we're saved by grace through faith. So if I'm saved by grace through faith, then the only way I'm going to have sin where it doesn't dominate me anymore is through God's grace. Now, God's grace 
doesn't say to continue in sin. It's okay to sin. God's grace helps me to not get into sin. Turn back one chapter. Romans chapter 5. I just want to read this one verse for you. Verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more through God's power, not your own. Now think about this. Even though sin keeps showing up, as long as I come under the, the, the flow of grace, grace keeps abounding. Grace keeps abounding. So this is kind of how this would look. We can pretend this is steps or we can pretend a la- this is a ladder. So we look and we say, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to get into that sin no more. And we take a step and then guess what? We fall off the ladder. But you know what grace says? Just because I fell off the ladder, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So when I continue to come under the grace of God, then I'll go up a few more steps and then I may fall off. The Proverbs are very clear that a righteous man may fall seven times, but he keeps getting back up. The way I keep getting back up by grace. And so even though I may fall, the only time I fail is when I fail to get back up. And so I keep allowing grace, yeah, clap. And I keep allowing grace to move me and move me. And so I'm telling some of you right now, don't give up on God's grace. God's grace is there to empower me to help you. Don't lose faith today. I don't care how many times you've fallen. You gotta stay under grace. And remember this right here. Where sin abound, grace abounds much more. Now, can I give you an illustration that helps me in my own life? I don't know if you've ever spent much time in the ocean. I love to be in the ocean. And you can be in the ocean up to this deep. And you can look out there and all of a sudden you'll see this huge wave coming. I don't care if you think you're an Olympic swimmer, you're not going to outrun that wave. And so you may head to shore before long. Guess what happens? That thing curls up and it goes on you. And when it goes on you, it takes you down and under. That's what the grace of God will do. Grace of God will come upon you and it will wash over you and it will empower you to say, get back up. Get back up. Turn with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. And just hang in here with me. We're, we're going somewhere today. But I'm giving you some biblical ammunition today. So again, you don't have to be dominated by sin. Now listen to what he said. That sin shall not have dominion over me. When I read that, unless I learn to come under the grace of God, that's going to happen. So I got to continue to stay under grace. Now let me help you just a second here on this. How did you get born again? Well, I went to church straight for a hundred straight. No, that's not how you got born again. You got born again because you asked Jesus to come into your heart. How do you get forgiven? I asked Jesus to forgive me. I confess my sins. Well, how do you get grace to come? You ask him. That's the thing. You don't want to leave every morning when you leave your home. Make sure grace is in your wallet. Make sure grace is in your purse. Visa doesn't matter. Grace is what matters. You better keep understanding. i got to come under grace day after day after day. John 17. I'm preaching better than you're amening. John 17. I'm telling you guys, I am ready to go today. John 17, verse 13. John 17, verse 13. But now I come to you in these things, I speak 
in the world. Now, in my Bible, I, I highlighted the little phrase, in the world. I speak in the world. Now, the reason I want to highlight that is because he didn't say, we're going to put it off till you get to heaven. He says, right now, I speak to you in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So joy is a result of having intimate fellowship with the Lord Jesus. Joy isn't by going to out to eat today, okay? That may make you happy, but that's not joy. Just because you got a new pair of Jordans, that's not joy. That may make you happy, but joy only comes from the Lord. And it's interesting, he says, right here in this world, you can have joy. So the more I hang out with Jesus, the more joy I'm going to have. Verse 14, I have given them your word or your message, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. And Jesus says, just as I was not of the world. So again, when we reference the world, it's this godless system. And the reason the world hates us is because the world doesn't want to live by God's values. So Jesus tells us, just as the world hated him, they're going to hate you. Because I don't live by the structure they live by. Verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Now, Jesus says, I don't pray that we get you out of the world. He said, I want you to leave you right here in the world. You know why? Because you're here to make a difference. You're the salt of the earth. You're the city that's set on a hill. So what Jesus desires you to do is you live in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm just a sojourner. I'm just passing through. And on my journey to pass through, I'm here to influence people with the kingdom of God. Our job here is to get as much people as we can to go to heaven with us. So that's why he said, I don't want to take you out of the world. But he did say, I want to keep you from the evil one. Verse 16. They are not of the world. We're not defined by this world just as Jesus was not of this world. First John 4, 17, the Lord Jesus says, as I am in this world, so are you. Well, how was Jesus in this world? And he was without sin. He was the Messiah. He was the Savior. And so again, Jesus says, I want you to rub off on people. Now watch this in verse 17. This is very important. Sanctify. The word sanctify means to set apart. It means to declare as holy. Sanctify them, believers, by your truth. Your word is truth. Make them holy by the truth of the word of God. Consecrate them by the truth of the word of God. So Jesus, guess what he's telling you? You're going to have to learn to live by the word of God. You're going to have to make the word of God important. You're going to have to have an appetite for the word of God. Now, we were in this a couple weeks ago. John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said that when a person abides in the truth, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's John 8, 31, 8, 32. So when you go back and look at that, the truth doesn't set you free. Unless I abide in the truth and I know the truth. You'll know the truth 
and the truth will set you free. So to abide in the truth, that means I got to live in the truth. I got to live by the word of God day by day by day. So again, make the word of God priority. Begin to see yourself in the light of the word of God. And he said, sanctify them in the truth. Why is that such a big deal for him to say that? Turn with me to the last part of the Old Te- or the New Testament, 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Woo, I got to get a hold of the Word of God, the truth. When I get a hold of the truth, my capacity is enlarged. And when my capacity is enlarged, it's essential for growth. Remember the Lord Jesus, and I highlight this often. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I, I got to get a hold of the word of God. Here's a good one for you to live by. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, he says this, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Something happens when I begin to speak the word of God out of my mouth. What do I speak out of my mouth? What God's word says about you. When God's word says you're more than, start speaking that, get in agreement with it. Then he says that we're to meditate on it, we're to recite it day and night, that we ultimately may obey it. And then this says this specific, then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. But I got to live within the word of God. This is going to play a huge part right here. So we begin 2 Peter 3 verse 14. Therefore, so then, beloved. Now, he's, he's writing to believers here. This is Peter. Looking forward to these things. He wants us to look forward to these things. Be diligent. Don't be lazy. Don't be complacent. To be found by Jesus in peace without spot and blameless. So I look at that and I thought, just exactly what is he meaning that I need to be looking for these things. The Amplified says it this way. Listen real close. Free from fears, agitating passions, and moral conflicts. I'd like to look forward to that right there. I love the peace of God. Keep reading, verse 15. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. The long-suffering of the Lord, we all ought to shout for that one. I don't know about you, I I thank God God is long-suffering toward us with salvation. You know what that means? He never gives up on you. He's, He's still pursuing you. He's still pursuing you. And some of you that have children, that have siblings, that have parents, that aren't serving God, don't give up on your prayers. I encourage you today, claim them for the kingdom of God. Claim them and say, Father God, I know your lungs. Start moving in their lives. Don't give up on them. Keep praying. Keep standing. So God is long-suffering. He goes on to say, as also our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given to us, has written to you. Now, I didn't do this in the first service, but I'm going to do a lot better job this second service of setting this up. The author right here is the Apostle Peter. But he specifically mentions the Apostle Paul 
that his writing, and he said in there, the wisdom within his writing. So Peter was an older man than Paul was. And remember, Peter was one of the original disciples. So it could have been very easy for Peter to, to stuck his nose up and say, I'm not going to learn nothing from you. I've been around a lot longer than you. Actually, I spent three and a half years with Jesus and you didn't. But it's interesting right here that the apostle Peter says there's some wisdom in the stuff that the apostle Paul wrote. So you know what I believe Peter's telling us? There's some things that we need to tap into on what Paul said. That's why I'm highlighting this. So now we've got to really dig in here because when we read and study this, man, I'm going to get some wisdom today. You know what wisdom is? Principles for life. Principles to live. Keep reading. Verse 16. As also in all Paul's epistles, speaking them of these things. I want you to think about something here about this man named Paul. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. It specifically highlights the things he wrote in the epistles. What were the epistles? 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, and even to the book of Hebrews. Paul was the writer of every one of those. So he highlights that, and then he says this, in which are some things are hard or difficult to understand. Now this is what Peter's saying about Paul. Keep reading. Which untaught, ignorant, and unstable people twist to their own destruction. You know what he's saying here? There were teachers that would take the Apostle Paul's teaching and they would twist them. They would misconstrue them to their destruction. So I begin to dig, and I said, what is they talking about right here? Well, number one, there were people that were unstable, ignorant, that would teach that they condone people's sin. In other words, they said, you can live however you want. God's okay with it. And so the reason they did that is they became popular because guess what? Most people like you to justify their sin. But he says right here, because they twisted the truth of God, it led to their destruction. So if it led to their destruction, it will lead to our destruction. Now what did Jesus say in John 17, 17? He said, sanctify them with the truth. So this becomes a huge warning to us. I got to get a hold of the truth. So the second area of enlightenment I saw, that in, in Galatians 6, verse, uh, verse 1, it says, shall we continually sin that grace may abound? 
Paul asked that question, shall we purposely and willfully sin so that grace would abound? And you know, he answers that in verse 2 and he says, no, not in any way. So what they did is they took the teaching of grace and they said, it's okay to sin. That's what grace is for. But he said right here, they twist it to their own destruction. So if I take the word of God and I twist it, you better get ready. He ends verse six or 17 and he says, or in verse 16, as they do also the rest of scriptures. God makes it very clear. Don't add to his word and don't take away from his word. How do I receive the word of God? Do I allow the word of God to teach me? Do I allow the word of God to correct me? Keep reading what he goes on to say here. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, guess what he just did? He gave us a strong warning that this is what's going to take place. People are going to twist the word. That's why you've got to get in the word. You've got, and, and when something's preached on, if they don't give you word and verse, you better be careful with it. When someone pats you on the back and says, God's okay with me sinning. And it leads to destruction. So he warns us beforehand. Beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. Is this possible? It has to be possible. This becomes the warning. He's saying, I don't want you to fall from your steadfastness. And he goes on to say, being led away with the air of the wicked. So guess what I see in that passage right there? When anyone preaches the word of God and they twist the scriptures in God's eyes, it's the air of the wicked. Now I can go that way and you can go that way, but I'm going to tell you, when I read what this says, this isn't good. So now we're getting to the good part. Verse 18, watch this. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But grow in grace. Now remember, grace is undeserved favor. It's a spiritual uh, strength. You know what grace says? I need God to do more for me than I can do for myself. This may help you. We make the mistake of trying to function if it all depends upon us. Can I give you a little secret today? It doesn't depend on you. You didn't get saved by your actions and your behaviors. You got saved because of Jesus. And you're not going to overcome the things of this world on your own ability. If you could, you wouldn't have never needed Jesus. But when he says that we are to grow in grace, you know what my thought is? Well, if we're called to grow in grace, there must be ways we grow in grace. 
And he said, grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what happens with knowledge here, it's an understanding of truth. And so truth points me to my lack. Grace supplies the need. And so what the Word of God says, it will give me reason or or scripture to say, this is how God wants me to live. But when I try to do it without God's grace, but when I do it with God's grace, he keeps moving me up that ladder. So you know what God does? God said, I'm going to set you up to succeed, not to fail. So I've got to continue to ask God's grace to come into my life. I will. It's got to become one of our greatest prayers. Grace me today, Father God. Grace me today. See, some of you may be in here this morning. You may be overwhelmed. You're overwhelmed by life. Uh, Psalm 62 says, when your heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Man, grace me, Lord. Are you overwhelmed as a parent today? Grace me. Are you overwhelmed in your marriage? Grace me today. Grace me, Father God, fill me with knowledge and then grace me to fulfill that knowledge that you put in my heart. So when I look at this right here, if he tells me and you to grow in grace and knowledge, what's the ultimate reason why he wants me to grow in grace and knowledge? So that we obey. So that we may obey. You speak the word, you meditate on the word, that you may ultimately obey the word. See, it does me no good to speak the word and to meditate on the word if I'm not going to obey the word. But when I speak the word, I meditate on the word, and I obey the word, then he said, you'll make your way prosperous and have good success. So the ultimate thing for me and you is his grace is to say, I want you to obey. John 14, 15, the Lord Jesus said this, if you love me, obey me. Well, that's the great dilemma. I want to obey him, but I can't. The Apostle Paul said that. He said, the things I want to do, that's not what I do. And the things I don't want to do, that's what I do. I can relate. But this is the key, the grace of a living God. Father God, grace me. Grace my eyes. Grace me, Father God, grace me. And so it puts fresh hope back in me. And so I talked about the Apostle Paul The man who wrote the majority of the New Testament. I don't know if you've ever studied his life. But in his own words, he said this. I'm the chief sinner. You know what the chief sinner is? That's the head sinner. Now, there's some of us in this room. We'd probably debate him on that. But he was a pretty good sinner. But yet, this guy who said he was the chief sinner, who was a murderer... He goes on to write the majority of the New Testament. And the apostle Peter in the last day of his life, he references this guy's wisdom. And I go back and I look and I think over and over when you read his epistles, it'll say this. May the peace and grace of God be with you. Almost every one of them say that. So if this guy who at one time was a chief sinner tapped into the grace of God and in my opinion became the greatest believer ever alive other than Jesus... Man, I got to tap into that grace. Some of you should have shouted. Some of you should be dancing right now. Some of you should stand up and sing a solo. You should be so happy. Why don't you stand up here with me? Tell you guys, the word of God will set you free when you know it and you obey it.
So I, I, I'm, I'm walking incredible freedom in my life right now because of the grace of God. Grace me to die to myself. Grace me to crucify this flesh. Grace me, Father God. Grace me to be godly in an ungodly world. Let me ask you right now. How many of you work in a really, 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 really ungodly workplace? Grace me, Father God. Grace me. You said you didn't want to take me out of the world. And so if I'm going to be, I'm going to influence. I'm going to go. Grace me today, Father God. Grace me today. Every area of my life. And so I go back and, and we have a God moment right here. You can close your eyes if you want. If you want to leave them open, it's okay with me. However you want to do this. But are there areas of your flesh you're dominated in? Man, my eyes. Dominated by the lust of my eyes. I'm dominated by the lust of my flesh. I'm, I'm, I'm dominated by the pride of life, by position, fame, money. Again, God, God just waits for us to repent. Say, Father God, I, I repent of that. And then He loves it when we say, Father God, I ask you to grace me in my eyes. Grace me in my eyes. You know what the Lord Jesus said? if you even look at a woman in an ungodly manner you've committed adultery this is a safe this is a safe bet right here every man in this room has broken that one not me pastor you need to come down here for lying again the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of the life. It's, it's a strategy of the evil one. I said, Lord Jesus, grace me today. If, if you've been dominated by those, I, I welcome you to come down here today and say, I'm leaving today, but I'm leaving differently. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving today that God's forgiven me because I'm going to repent. And I'm, I'm leaving today with a backpack full of God's grace. I'm going to put that backpack on. And I believe this with all my heart. Every one of us need an anointing of this right here. Sanctify me with the truth, Lord. Wash me in the truth. I, I don't want to be led into the error of the wicked. I, I don't want to be one that has been twisted by the teachings that are ungodly. Now, I will ask every head to be bowed right now when I do this. Again, if you're here today and you've You've never made Jesus of Lord of your life, or maybe you have, and you've run from him. I can tell you that Jesus loves you. Je Jesus is not stiff-arming you. Remember, our God is, is, is steadfast. He's long-suffering. He pursues you. If you need to give your heart to Jesus today, you've never done this, or maybe you have and you've strayed, I, I welcome you just boldly. Come on up here. We had several in the first service. I got some. If that's you, come on. Just make a statement. Say, I'm, co I'm coming to get connected to Jesus today. Well, then we get into our altar call today. I don't want to be dominated by sin. I don't want to be dominated by those things. 
I, I, I don't want the world where, where it's got its claws on me, where it controls me. The whole world lies in the sway of the evil one. And I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus is greater than that. So as they sing, I, I welcome you to come down here. Let, let's welcome a, an oil of repentance. Let's welcome a grace of God today, okay? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.